you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. to lift both of your hands toward heaven and close your eyes just for a moment and just let praise rise out of your innermost being unto the Lord right now. Verbalize it, put it into words. And if you have no words, why don't you just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let praise rise out of your heart this morning. Come on, magnify the King today. Magnify the King today. We've got time. Just take a moment. Just reach toward Him. Focus on Him for just a moment today. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. to the Lord. Your eyes are closed. Your hands are raised toward heaven. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live. To worship you, nothing else matters but my praise to you, Lord. To worship worship you. I live, I live to worship you. Come on, let it come from your heart. Just your heart praise to the Lord today.
Let him know you love him today. Let him know you love him. Hallelujah. Your presence is in this house right now, God. Your glory is in this house right now, God. You're mending hearts all over this room right now. Your presence is speaking into spirits and lives right now. Uh, let your presence do what only you can do, God. house this morning. He's in the house today. Hallelujah. 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 The stage has been set for God to minister to hearts this morning. If you're a guest, thank you for being here today. Remember, thank you for being faithful. I want to move all accolades aside this morning and just focus for a few minutes on what I feel God would have me speak into this room. I feel the healing presence of God in this room this morning. I don't know. I know what some of you may be facing, but I don't can't possibly know what everyone in this room may be facing feeling what you may be dealing with. There's no way possible for me to know. But we all have our struggles. We all have our trials. We all have our situations. We all have our pressures. But I want you to know today that God is going to lift your burden and lift your load and mend your heart if you'll just engage for the next few minutes in what God is wanting to do in this house today. I'm going to read a, a scripture, perhaps quote a scripture from John chapter 11, verse 35. We often refer to this scripture almost in jest because it's only one of two, two word scriptures in the Bible, the shortest scripture in all 66 books. But I want to extrapolate from this passage this morning and reach into your lives today and let God do what only God can do. Strange text perhaps for a Sunday morning service and a Sunday morning message. But it's very, very simple. John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I'm going to 
pull from this for a little bit, but the thought that I feel to bring to you this morning is also equally just as basic and is simple, but sometimes it's the basic things where God speaks the loudest into our lives. Because what do we draw from the text that Jesus wept? There's one thing that I'm going to point out this morning, and that is this. He wept because he felt felt what humanity was feeling and without a God that can feel what you and I feel then we would feel alone in the world but what I'm going to try to deliver from my heart to yours this morning is simply this God not only knows what you go through God feels what you go through the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the doubt, the unbelief, the concerns, the hurt, the pain, the sickness, and we could go on. Whatever it is that you feel, Jesus wept to let us know that he feels what Jesus not only wept, but Jesus felt. God, help us this morning, help me this morning to deliver the heart of the matter. What you, God, want to say to this group this morning that's gathered in this room, I pray that every person that walked in under a load is going to leave this morning walking out feeling a load lifted off of them like they haven't felt in a very long time. For the one this morning that walked in under the stress and the pressures of life with made-up minds and decisions to go their own way, today, God, we're going to focus on you and we're going to leave out of here walking your way, doing what you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. writer of Hebrews in the fourth chapter and the 15th verse leaves us a very interesting passage. I think they'll be able to put it on the screen for you in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I'm bringing to you the same idea this morning from John chapter 11, verse 35. Hebrews chapter 4 brings another ideology to us, and the ideal that Hebrews brings to us is that Jesus, who is our high priest, is touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Of course, he speaks in in 
negative forms here of we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. And of course we know that simply means that we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are. So the temptation at the point of dealing with things that cause us to feel is how we're going to respond to the feeling. Some people don't want to feel because it hurts. Some people don't want to feel because it moves us into action and tells us we have to respond to what we are feeling and we've got to do something about it. Just a few moments ago, as God's presence was so thick in this room, God was dealing with hearts and some were just saying yes to whatever God was wanting to do at that moment and your hands were lifted and tears were flowing and you were moving into the realm of the Spirit. Others were gripping the pew in front of them or the, the back of the chair in front of them and were saying, not now. Because we didn't want to feel what we were feeling because what we were feeling was causing us to, to need to respond. It was causing us to, to do something about what we are feeling, either fall into the arms of God and allow Him to wrap His arms around us or either run away from Him because we want to go our own way. so we have a high priest which can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as you and I are to, to make decisions as a matter of fact when he prayed in the garden what was it that he said Father if it be possible let this cup pass from me but nevertheless there is the will of the flesh being put into submission to the work of the Spirit. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because without a thine be done, not my will, but thine be done, then he would, he would have done what he wanted and said, somehow, let me find a way to escape. Let me call 10,000 angels down to prevent this moment from happening, to smite all those that are against us. Let me speak a word and cause all these to run in fear. But instead he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He, resented the, he resent, resisted the temptation of doing what he wanted. So we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, yet in all points, is tempted just like you and I are, particularly when it comes to matters of feeling. But he was found without sin. So therefore, we being sinful and having a sinful nature and a will to be able to say, no, I'll resist this moment. I'll resist what the Spirit is speaking into my life. I'll resist what you are wanting to do. I'll resist it. Over the last few weeks, we've learned a lot on our Wednesday nights. And one of the statements that's come forward over and again that we have heard, maybe many of you that have been here on Wednesday night have picked it up, and it is simply this, you have to feel to heal. So the issue is we don't want to feel what is going on. We don't want to feel those emotions. We don't want to deal with because we don't want to deal with them. But the only way that you're going to heal is to deal 
with whatever's going on. That's more than just little cute cliche words. Now I know several of you in this room this morning that have battled for a long space of time, some with extended sickness, relational problems, financial crisis, issues on your jobs, issues, relationship issues in your family, whatever they may be, some that have battled addictions of different sorts. Not all of you, but most of you, most in this room this morning have gone through so much over the last little while, over the last, over, over the last space of time, and we have learned that the pains that we feel can easily bring us down. There's so many who have been through the pains that this life has to offer and we come in week after week and here's where we've been for a little while. It is that I feel like that as a congregation, as a church, we have gone through so much from our first lady battling cancer and victorious over it to others, key members that have battled cancer, severe sickness, all sorts of different diseases, so many key members that have passed on, leaving widows that are suffering and feeling loss. See that word keeps coming up again, feeling. We're feeling loss, we're feeling pain, we're feeling sickness, we're feeling worry, we're feeling all of these feelings that we have going on. I just want you to know today that Jesus cares about you but he doesn't just care about you. Listen, we're not going to run aisles and, 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 and jump over pews this morning because there is a healing work that I believe God is going to do in this house before we leave today. And that's more important than anything that could happen when it comes to emotionalism in this house. Jesus cares about you. I want you to take that index finger and put it right here on your chest or on your nose and I want you to say it to yourself this morning. Jesus cares about me. Yes, he cares about your neighbor. He cares about the one that's suffering with addiction. But he also cares about you. Well, others have so many things that are wrong. My finances are in order, so everything else in life is, is okay. My problems seem to be small, or, or my family's together, and, and my financial crisis isn't as big as their relational problem. And we can all find reasons to try to excuse ourselves from feeling. But if I could do one thing this morning, I want to turn on the faucet of feeling between your mind and your heart today and, and just be able to look to God today and say, God, I'm feeling this. I, I really am feeling this. I've been dealing with some situations, some of you know, driving down the road and my wife takes my hand and she starts she starts massaging my arm and before long that nerve that I'm having issues with between my hand and 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 somewhere my hand and my elbow uh, I feel pain in my hand and my wrist and my arm and and she's 
sliding up and down and she gets a, 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 a wince in pain and, and, and she, she moves to find that spot again and, and, and she's massaging. She means well, but what she's doing and every now and then I have to say, I feel that. I'm not angry. She meant well for what she's doing, but I feel that once in a while in life, it's okay for us to look away to God and say, I'm feeling this. You don't have to fake your way through life and say, I have no idea what's going on. Everybody else seems to be in pain, but I'm okay. Brother, sister, how are you? Good to see you in church this morning. How are things going? I'm okay. Were you looking good? That's all that matters. I put on my nice dress, my nice suit. I showed up to church this morning wearing my nice smile. I'm okay. If we miss everywhere else today, I want to hit on one thing, and that is it's okay for you to feel. People may not care what you are feeling, but there is one in the room this morning besides your pastor and your family member that cares, and his name is Jesus, and he cares because he not only cares, but he feels what you are feeling. He cares about you. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus because he felt the pain of death. The story begins early on Sunday morning as Jesus is walking toward Jerusalem. Jesus stops for a moment and sends two of his disciples ahead of him into a nearby village to carry out a special errand. Here's how Luke records it in Luke 19. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. It came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, into which that you're entering in, you shall find a colt tied whereon you never a man is set. Loose him and bring him hither. If any man asks you, Why do you loose him? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord hath need of him. I'm sure the two disciples must have wondered about what Jesus told them to do because none of the gospel accounts about the ministry of Christ ever mentioned him riding an animal to get from one place to another. He, he must have walked hundreds of miles up and down the land that we call the Holy Land, but there's no mention of him ever riding except in a boat across the Sea of Galilee. But now, he gives us the unusual command to go into the village and get a colt that's never been ridden, it's unbroke, and bring it to him. Must have seemed like a strange command. He even tells them the exact words that they're to use should anybody even question them about bringing the colt. They're to say, the Lord has needs of him. Was, was this prearranged? Did the owners know Jesus was going to send them to get the colt? We, we don't really know. But it's obvious though that Jesus knew what he was going to face in the city of Jerusalem. So 
his decision to go into Jerusalem must have been one of the most difficult decisions that Jesus had ever made. And on top of that, to ride into a city on a colt rather than to walk into it as he had done many times before must have been an even more difficult decision because riding a colt into a city was a public declaration that he was the king. This wasn't going to settle well. You see, in times of war, the conqueror would ride upon a prancing stallion, but in times of peace, the king would ride a colt to symbolize that peace prevailed. So for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem upon a colt declared that he was king and there was peace in Israel. How would the people respond to that? For they knew there was really not peace for they recognized that his kingdom was not of this world. It was a spiritual kingdom. And he was to be a spiritual king? Probably not. For three and a half years he had been teaching them, but they still didn't understand. Perhaps some of them would greet him with laughter. Maybe they would be amused at what Jesus was doing. Some, however, may think it was a rather ridiculous picture, a carpenter declaring himself the king. Perhaps some would think he's a lunatic living in a world of fantasy, imagining himself to be a king. Perhaps some would think he's a lunatic living in a world. Maybe he's angry. Maybe he's mad. Maybe he's upset. Maybe they would interpret his riding into the city as arrogance and blasphemy toward God. Of course, many would hail him with joy, welcoming him as an earthly king. Come to reestablish the throne of David and to overthrow the Roman Empire. They were ready and eager to place a crown upon his head and call him king among the crowds that day. Were the people that over the last three and a half years, the people that he had healed, some were among the thousands that he had fed, Many more had seen his miracles, had listened as he spoke with authority. They had listened and their lives had been changed. It was a conglomerate of people that were there, much like what the church is made up of today. Jesus knew all of this. He knew that just over the horizon, he was the only one that knew this, but he knew that just over the horizon, there was a cross looming But Luke tells us that in spite of all of it, Jesus set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem. As Jesus rides down toward the gate of the city, the crowds are growing. There's a festive spirit in the air, for it was Passover and pilgrims gathering from afar and from near. For it's the greatest of all Jewish holidays, they're there to celebrate to see people they haven't seen in a while, even before Jesus arrives, arrived, the news had spread that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. They're talking about Jesus having raised Lazarus from the dead, our text. Jesus goes before the tomb of Lazarus. Mary and Martha weeping 
And when Jesus felt the human emotion of death, although he knew that the outcome was not final, that there was a greater victory in the end, Jesus was so that he saw and felt the human emotion. He not only sees what you're going through, but he feels it. He felt the human emotion. He felt what they were feeling at that very moment, and he wept. Before he calls Lazarus out of the grave, news is spreading all over. Have you heard the news? Lazarus died and was buried in a tomb so long his body was starting to decay and stink, but this teacher from Nazareth called Jesus came to where he was and called him forth from the grave and Lazarus gets up. They saw it with their own eyes. They had to remove the grave clothes from off of him. He was actually walking and breathing and he lived again. Surely only the Messiah, the son of the carpenter, no, Messiah, the son of God could do this, but not Jesus, the son of the carpenter. They're confused in their minds. They're struggling. They're trying to figure out, is Jesus this Messiah? Some believe that he was, but most believe that he wasn't. Some believe that he really could feel what Mary and Martha were feeling, but others said, no way he can feel what I'm feeling. He can feel what others feel, but nobody knows what I feel. Nobody understands the loneliness that I go through. Nobody understands the pain that I go through. Nobody can feel what I feel. How can Jesus possibly feel what I'm feeling? The news travels from one person to another until finally when Jesus was ready to enter the city, great crowds had collected on both sides of the road. They were there. They cut palm branches and were shouting, Hosanna to the king. Excitement prevailed through the whole city. Those of you who have read your Bible know they're crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus must have looked over the waiting audience and he had a, saw a mixture of expressions upon their faces. He saw those whom he loved. Perhaps Bartimaeus was there, the man who had received his sight no longer in his beggar's rags. How about Zacchaeus? He, he had paid back his debt to society and has made his peace with God. And the lepers, their skin had been cleansed and now they were rejoicing for the healing that the Lord had given them and he, he sees them. And maybe Jairus' daughter was there. You know, the one that he brought back to life. Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and Mary Magdalene. They were all there. Their lives reflected the love that was in their hearts for this man who had brought and taught them and molded them and changed their life and had literally given life back to Lazarus whom he wept with Martha and Mary as they're standing at the tomb. They had, he had wept with them. They, they loved him so much. But as Jesus looks, he sees the mixed emotions of the crowd. Are you with me this morning? There were also sinister faces that were there. 
obvious expressions of those for whom we're waiting for him to say one wrong word or make one little mistake. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were there. They were supposed to be keepers of the law and spiritual leaders, but Jesus had gained so much popularity that they felt threatened. And they were so full of jealousy that all they did, did was stood and watched him. With a sneer on their face as he enters, the Romans were there, fearing revolt, watching for any sign of rebellion against Rome. They were ready and waiting to crush any uprising that had happened. Jesus realized as he listened to their hosannas, that soon the sinister voices would drown out the voices of love and compassion. Those who were crying out for him to be king would soon be crying, crucify him. Or even worse, those who would simply stand aside and say nothing at all and just be silent and say, I'm staying out of it. Now, in the story, Jesus is descending along the road from the Mount of Olives across the brook toward the gate with the crowds that were there thronging him. I wonder how the apostles were reacting to all of this. I've always thought that Judas was probably ecstatic. He is basking in the reflected glory because Judas may have wanted an earthly kingdom because he was a lot about money. I imagine Peter walked with his chest stuck out, enjoying the throngs and the cheers of the crowd, knowing that he was one that could speak if needed. He may have kept one hand on his sword just in case something went wrong and he had to draw it. Surely Peter was thinking to himself, maybe it was worth it to leave the fishes in the nets and Possibly there was Thomas a bit skeptical about everything that's going on and wondering what will go wrong. See, there were people with all sorts of feelings there. Maybe Andrew was overwhelmed by it all. So used to bringing people together one by one or in small groups, but now Andrew's overwhelmed by the crowd. My, look at all of them. What about James and John? Do you suppose they knew? They were thinking about Jesus being crowned king, thinking perhaps one of them could be on his right hand and the other on his left. They were all there, all in Jerusalem, loving faces, sinister faces, ancient apostles in crowds, almost trampling one another. And then the whole procession stopped. It was like a modern day rush hour traffic. And Jesus just stops it all. I can hear the people in the back crowd of the crowd saying, Hey, what's the hold up? What's going on? Why don't you guys move on? But the people who were closest to Jesus could, could see. They realized it was him who had stopped the parade. Perhaps they saw his body begin to shake. Maybe at first they thought he was laughing, for laughter would have seemed to be natural for the moment as he was about to be crowned king. Everybody else was laughing and joy prevailed, but no, Jesus wasn't laughing. It's the second time in Scripture we find that Jesus was weeping. 
Jesus was feeling. Jesus felt the pain of those closest to him. And he felt the misery of those that was wanting his death. Scripture tells us that Jesus reacted emotionally many times from different scenes that he saw. When he saw the poor, he had compassion. When he saw the hungry, when he saw people sinning, when he saw those who were sick and afflicted. The scripture said repeatedly that he had compassion on them, but it only tells us two times that Jesus cried. He wept over the city. They're waiting to have a party with him, and he stands weeping, weeping because as he looked in the middle of an above-average day, when some are rejoicing and the church is, re, is ready to receive him and crown him Lord of all. And here's all of the different people in society. There's the doctors and the bankers and the tax collectors. There's the city officials and the workers and the laborers. There's the construction builders and factory workers and there's people with all sorts of opinions about him. People from every walk of life all having different opinions. And when he looked across the masses, Jesus wept for them. One time he cries at the grave of Lazarus showing a very personal up close and personal, Mary and Martha were both weeping. And Scripture says that Jesus wept. He wept for them and he wept with them. He entered into their grief with compassion and he identified with their sorrow and their despair and their feeling of loss. I want to say something to you and I won't be preaching much longer and I'll be done but I want to say something to those who are feeling pain in your life today. You will never weep alone. The scripture says he is very close to them who are of a broken heart. A broken and a contrite spirit he will in no wise cast out. Thus the scripture is full of promises of casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Jesus is literally touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He's weeping with you in the midnight hour, in the broken relationship, in the pain and grief of tragedy, of sickness, of financial struggle, of anxiety, of depression, and you don't know what to do and it's 2 a.m. and you've got to get up and go to work the next morning and your pillow is full of tears and you feel so alone. You're not alone. Jesus is not only there, he's weeping with you because he loves you. Why was Jesus crying? This is the second occasion we find him weeping. 
he looks over the city of Jerusalem and sees the mixture of faces and the masses of humanity crowding there without a doubt. He realized their emptiness of their lives. They had not heard the message of peace. They did not understand the purpose of his coming. Oh, if somehow the church could take a different look at those who are in the world and when we see the man that is bound in addiction and alcoholism and drug abuse and we see him stumbling or we see the lady in the store that can't afford to pay bills because she spent it all on the drugs that has caused havoc upon her body and it's visible and we look and walk to the other register to get away from her. My Lord, what would it be like if we could weep with them like Jesus would weep over them and have compassion over them like Jesus had compassion over them and see not a sinner but see a crimson stream of blood that flows from Calvary that has the ability to reach a wretched sinner such as I. The apostle had a grip on it when he gave the laundry list of all of those who were abusers and haters. and He gives the long laundry list of all of those and then he ends up saying, and such were some. Of you, oh no, oh no, not me. No, 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 I was born in this thing. My dad was a preacher when I was born. I was raised up on a church pew. I don't know anything about it. What about the anger? What about the lust? What about the hurt? What about the pain? What about all the things that nobody sees hidden behind the tie and the coat and the smile and the God bless you? What about the pain that we think nobody sees? The same Savior that died for the alcoholic and the, and, and the one on the street. He loved you and I just as much. It doesn't matter. Your testimony doesn't have to be one that came from a life of abuse. He loved you in your brokenness that you've hidden from the world and refused to feel and said it's not really there, but it's there and it's here and it's with you this morning. You brought it here with you. But he can heal you from it. He can minister to you too today. The only way that he can minister if you're, is, is when you come to a point that you can say, God, I, I am feeling it, but I can't carry it. I'm feeling it, and I see in your eyes that the pain I see in your eyes as you hang on the cross with, with the thorns on your head and blood streaming down. And I look as there's a trickle of blood just on the corner of your eye. I don't understand why. Here's why. Because he wanted you to look into his eyes and see that his blood covers the things that you have hidden. All you've got to do is say, I bring them out and I pre present them to him. Every hurt, every fear, every worry, all of the stress, 
all of the broken parts and pieces of my life that I've been hiding and saying they don't really exist with a smile and a pretty face and a handsome look and we spend money on cars and houses and things to look like we have it all together but internally we are broken. God has sent a preacher this morning to tell you if you'll just open up and say I'm feeling it God. I'm feeling it this morning but I can't keep carrying it. I need change in my life this morning. He will come on the scene where you are and that's not just blood but that's tears it's blood and water it's what flowed from his side it's tears streaming down his face as he looks you in the eye today and says that cross it was for those pains that whipping it was for you my love is for you not just for the one that's gone so far but for every person who can feel Stand with me all over this room this morning. Don't disconnect from what God is wanting to do right now. Why don't you just lift your hands toward heaven? I feel a healing from God reaching into this house this morning. If you will be willing to let those feelings out toward God this morning, I want you to know he's weeping with you. Those tears that you shed, you're not alone. He's feeling it with you. He wants to heal that pain today. He loves you more than you love yourself. When you despise your own actions, he's not despising you. He's loving on you. When you make a mistake, mess up, act out in ways you didn't want to act. He's not, he's not angry at you. He loves you just as much at the point of your failure and the point of your weakness. He loves you just as much. I didn't really know how this message was going to end today. I really didn't have an ending to the message. All I had was a heart to come and deliver You can come forward if you want to come forward. You can stay where you are if that is more comfortable for you. But I want you to find a safe place right now between you and God. And I want you just to open those those arms and lift those hands as a sign of surrender and openness toward God. Whatever you do just to feel open, go ahead and feel that pain, feel that anguish. Oh, no, I know, I know. Pastor, I've got to walk out of here and keep living. I've got to go back to the same job, go back into the same relationship. Let God have a starting point, would you? Could he have a starting point in your life right now? Give him the broken pieces. Give him the shattered dreams. Give him the wounded heart. Let him come to where you are right now. The more you feel, the more he feels. The more you weep, the more he's weeping. The more open you are, the more healing that can come. He's here for you today. God, I'm not going to carry this any longer. I'm putting it into your hands today. I'm turning it over to you. You're a child of God. 
You're not intended to be weighted down under the load. You're a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of the King. Come on, there may be some things this morning that you need to forgive so that you can find forgiveness. Jesus is feeling everything you're feeling today. I know this is a little different for Sunday morning, but it's okay. It's in order. Maybe some of our ministers and elders would want to step forward and find somebody to pray with. Maybe you just want to step across the aisle and pray with somebody. before him, letting his presence and power meet with you this morning. My life, here I am, God. There's strength for you. You're going to find it in a few minutes. In just a few moments, strength is going to come. Strength is going to follow. That healing's going to come. And then strength is going to begin to come. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. reigning strong in your life this morning. it. Continue to pour it out to the Lord. Here in a moment, you're going to find it empty. You're going to find the vessel empty because you've poured it all out to Him and He's going to begin to carry that burden. He's going to begin to carry that 
that load that you've been carrying, you're going to feel empty because he's picking it up. He's taking all of those things that the enemy has been using against you and he's beginning to carry those, that heavy load, that, that burden, the faults. He's going to begin to carry those for you here. In, you, you feel him taking the burden off of you? You feel him lifting the burden this morning? He's lifting the burden so that you can walk in strength. He's the bearer of the heavy load so that you can go from victory to victory. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Come on, feel that load lifted off of you. Feel that load lifted off of you right now. You ought to thank Him. For He is a God that can be touched. He's a burden bearer. I'm calling. I feel peace coming to somebody today. I feel hope coming to somebody today. There's help for you this morning. you to lift those hands toward heaven now and I want you to tell God how you feel now. Now that he's carrying that load, I want you to just let him know, God, I've, I've relinquished it to you this morning. I've been carrying it for a long time, but I'm putting it into your hands. I've tried to do it on my own, but I haven't been able to. But this morning, I feel you bearing the burden. I feel you carrying the load today. I choose to walk in faith. I choose to walk in victory. I choose to walk in peace of mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, find hope in Him now. There's hope in Him now.